We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers dropped a tough one, technically their last road game of the season at the Clippers. We knew about the uh, you know rest disadvantage. I think that's one of the the headlines of the game for sure. But if it's that if that's the only thing that the Lakers take from that loss, then they'll lose a couple of good lessons, both uh, positive and negative. Uh, LeBron's second half that was the best he's looked since returning. But our bench got their butts kicked. But right out of the gates, the uh, Clippers jumped all over us. You know, Russ hit a couple of jumpers, but defensively we left Eric Gordon wide open on some threes. LeBron was helping off a corner shooters that were wide open. We we got it back a little bit later, but that was a game we were never really in, and probably the final score is not quite as indicative of how it went. But give me your thoughts on on last night on a game that I think we thought would go the way that it did, but I wasn't expecting LeBron and AD to play. I yeah. suppose that's kind of where where we start. No, that should be where we start. I think it got mentioned on Spectrum post game where the number like 3 or 4 a.m. came up in terms of arrival time. There were reports that I saw online, at least, about um, needing to de-ice the plane. There was obviously a snowstorm that had happened in Utah. And Darwin alluded to weather issues and a bunch of other stuff post game. So the game was on. My wife came into the room and she's like, oh, the score. And I said, yeah. I said the Lakers played OT last night and LeBron played a bunch of minutes and AD played a bunch of minutes. And Mike, the way that the game started, the Lakers looked like a team that had played a bunch of minutes the night before. They, In fact, the way that LeBron was moving um, at the start of the game, it literally looked like the game was a continuation of the end of the previous game. And if I could add one more element to this, I think that when you play bad teams consecutively between Houston and Utah, who are bad in kind of different ways, they can kind of seduce you into a brand of bad basketball that when another team is a good team that's also playing good basketball, they're going to jump all over you if, if you're still stuck in those habits. One of the things, and that's a great point, Pete. 
one of the things that me and Pete discussed this a bunch on the pod yesterday, and so I'll kick it to you here, is we did not expect LeBron and AD to play. And one of the reasons why we didn't expect them to play was just the minutes and the load that they've been carrying over the course of that road trip, their general health concerns and and the travel schedule and everything else. And I was actually, I I don't want to say hopeful that they wouldn't play, but I thought that this was an opportunity for the other guys to sort of step in and fill in with an energy game where the Lakers would not have, where LeBron and AD as the natural leaders of the team might not have that same level of energy to start the game. And I thought it might actually be a disadvantage at the start if LeBron and AD actually were going to play. And you were there. Right. You were on that same road trip that the players were. So I just love to get your insights into how everything transpired over the course of like a 48 hour period with the Utah game, the travel back and the turnaround for this team that had to then play like a high leverage basketball game and one of their more important games of the season. But at a true sort of rest and just disadvantage from a physical and mental engagement standpoint, I thought. Yeah, this was the classic and maybe the most extreme example that I've seen recently of a schedule loss uh, that uh, Phil Jackson used to talk about. And so we did talk about this beforehand, and I think there was a feeling on the plane when the team landed at about 3 a.m. So it's one thing if it's just within the course of a regular NBA season, uh, but this is just a very particularly rough type of situation uh, where the Clippers have been sitting on this game since Saturday and the Lakers had two games between that time on Sunday and Tuesday. So include, so take out the back-to-back Ty Lue had four days to sit there and plan the exact rotation and optimal minutes. He played Kawhi Leonard 43 minutes. So I think that just goes to show you, this is the, this is the king of load management. Uh, right. So he played him the absolute most he could play, including the entire second half. Uh, and, you know, that that was something that I, I think really, really went ahead and showed what things were going to be. Um, so it's it's a combination of, of several things. But bottom line, uh, with Kawhi playing, as you see, Riggs not pleased with the Clippers loss or the loss of the Clippers last night. The bottom line um, between Kawhi and the overall game plan and then sitting Russ for most of the second half, which is where, yes, he hit some shots early, but the Lakers were starting to take advantage of Russ being on the floor, being able to play LeBron or whoever was guarding him as a free safety uh, and encouraging to take the jump shots, which, again, um, he hit his first three. But all of that stuff, having Norman Powell and Zubats against the Lakers' small second unit, and it just was a, a constant, constant flow of the Clippers were, put, were in optimal situations throughout the game. And, you know, it's not like Darvin Ham could answer that by keeping Anthony Davis on the court more because he only was going to play a maximum, ideally, of 30 minutes. He ends up playing 32. So it just was all of that stuff was going into play the whole time. And this is why I thought maybe LeBron and AD just wouldn't play. Uh, I like that they did from a competitive standpoint. Hey, yeah, let's go for it. But mm-hmm. the yeah, the they just weren't able to provide the type of energy that should they should be able to if the schedule weren't screwed. Um, in a game like this. 
that said, I was super encouraged by LeBron's second half and what he was able to summon. Like LeBron was stinky in that first half on both ends of the floor. His defense was bad. He had four turnovers, three points, and he had this like drifting, uh, sort of fade away, you know, elbow pull up type of shot near the end of the second quarter that he missed. And you just watch him after he missed it. And he was so frustrated and disgusted with himself that when, but when he came out in the second half, the first play and it didn't work out for us, but it was a defensive play. He had a low man rotation onto Zubats and he's chopping his feet and he's digging at the ball like crazy yep. down low. And the biggest storyline that we have, look, we we understand the rest disadvantage and all, all of that, and we just contextualized it. The biggest storyline for this Lakers team right now is what level can LeBron James get to? And LeBron's trying to figure that out right now coming off of his injury. And that second half, a 30-point second half where he's starting to stampede a bit the mm-hmm. way that he was earlier in the year, like even with the loss, I think that's the most important thing to come from yesterday. So them playing, and I, I'm with Mike and I really, I respect that they laced him up and gave it a go. LeBron is trying to work his way to that point. And I thought yesterday was a big game in that respect. Me as well. I will say he, there was a turnover in, it might've been his fourth turnover in the first, first half. And he was dribbling and he literally just lost the ball. Ball just fell right out of his hands. And he, was running back down the court and he like looked at his hands and was shaking his head and was almost like, (laughs) like, like it was literally a WTF look like what almost like an out of body experience. What is wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. Like what is like literally what is wrong with me right now? And it was like half like frustration, half disgust. Like you could only imagine what LeBron James, the teammate would look how LeBron James, the teammate, would look at LeBron James, the player, in that moment. Like, if he mm-hmm. was, like, if it was a teammate and he saw a teammate literally just, like, drop the ball and hand oh, it to the did. other he, team. He yelled at Troy Brown for it and for <laughs> overcutting, right? Like, catch the ball, And so... Did you see his the, his shooting numbers in the second half, though? And his, his, his assist turned relative to the first half? What did he end up putting up in the second half, Mike? He was 12 for 14, including Ooh. 4 for 5 from 3. With four assists and two turnovers for 30 points uh, in the first half, quite the opposite. One for six from the field. Yeah. And he he only got I thought he had more than the four turnovers. I I thought they gave a couple to guys that didn't catch his passes, but I thought it was more like (laughs) six Mm -hmm. in the first half. But yes, he ends up with, you know, three points, four turnovers in the first half, 30 points, two turnovers in the second half. Pete, you have mentioned to us before that you get the clips without the feed. Without the audio, without feed, the, without the mm-hmm. announcer feed, right? So, and I don't know if Mike's would ever pick up this stuff, but it's, it was in the second half, and LeBron scored a layup, and it might have been an and one, but or it was a transition play, but he was rolling at that point, and the Lakers weren't in the game still; they were still down by eight or ten, and the Clippers were keeping them at arm's length, basically. LeBron looked to the bench, the Clippers bench, and he said something to them and it was just i don't know what he said so it's just like i'm just making stuff up in my head but it seemed like one of those like y'all gonna win the battle yeah right but understand the war like like i'm making my i'm making my imprint in terms of what the war could be like you guys got nothing for me 
It, like it was yep. one of those moments where he was just like, I can still turn it on. And, and, and so it was one of those those moments to me. It reminded me of that Memphis game from, I think, last season where right. Bane was on. talking a bunch of trash yeah. to, to LeBron. And there are like mics that are on the sidelines or whatever that pick up what's being said. And LeBron is saying to Bane, like, no more, basically. Like, mm-hmm. y'all talking too much trash right? Crap. And I'm not taking it anymore. Y'all ain't playing ball. You're just talking trash. And he's like, I ain't having it. And then like a couple of possessions later, Mike, he goes up court and he basically like dunks on Jaron Jackson, like in transition. And it's sort of one of those moments where only the truly, truly great players who are still physical marvels can like reach that level. And I thought LeBron had sort of one of those stretches during the second half against the Clippers where he's just like, I'm still here. Well, I think this was just the cause for the general frustration that the Lakers were having that they're just trying to survive in those first couple minutes. And the Clippers are, are, are in the absolute optimal places to take advantage of the normal ways that the Lakers play defense. And then they're hitting all of the shots too. They're hitting all their threes, including Russ which is the whole game plan, right? You want Russ to shoot those shots. They happen to go in. So then when the Lakers try to find the energy burst, that's they don't really have it. And LeBron's, you know, LeBron went into his own sort of deep bag of mental toughness, I think, and physicality. And like this is, I've, saw, I've thought this for several years now, but the ways that the Lakers would match up with the Clippers in a playoff series, eventually they would figure out what those spots were, not, yeah. when not to help off, the Clippers don't have guys that get all the way to the rim. I know that Russ can do that a little bit now, but that's, you know, that's still not a chief concern of a defense. It's it, the Clippers. They have the rim protection to a degree with Zubats, but there are ways that LeBron and, and AD specifically know how to exploit that. Um, and I just think that over the course of time, it's right back to that mix of the Lakers can, can be, they're just more versatile with mostly because of AD, but also because of LeBron. And I, I, this we just didn't see that in this type of a game and that's the frustrating element of it is what it would have meant in terms of the standings where now the lakers need the warriors to lose at least one of their two games if they have any chance to get to the six and they would have to win both of their two and if the warriors don't then the lakers have to win both of their two just to avoid a potential trip back to minnesota if the wolves win their two games or to new orleans if new orleans win so it's all of that stuff i think was part of what lebron is kind of saying like and he said the same thing after the game this is not this game does not fairly reflect us in the way that we're playing uh, based off the difference in rest. And it's it's I'm sure the Clippers don't want to hear that as an excuse. But, you know, what else are you supposed to say? It's it's the, it's the third game in four nights relative to the first game in four nights. I agree with that. But I also think that there are elements of that game that are not rest related, that if we wanted to beat them, I mean, they've beaten us 11 times in a row. I got nothing to say on, on the like, yeah, we would beat them if yada, yada, like let's see them do it first. Well, um, the 11 times in a row, but with not with LeBron and AD both healthy, not with Russ on the team with sure. guys that made around them. Right. Like it's not, it hasn't been exactly a fair fight uh, going into these last, these last couple of, a uh, couple of seasons with what uh, the roster is. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's come back. I, I want to focus in on the bench because I do think that that is something that applied to that game that would also apply to future ones. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So the main character on pretty any pretty much any defense in the NBA but especially the type of scheme that we run is your defensive center your five and Wenyon has taken up that has taken that backup five spot uh and well earned over the course of the year we've tried pretty much everybody else but him uh, and he's earned that. And, you know, Mobamba was eligible last night. That's one thing. Everybody was healthy and which is worth celebrating in and of itself, even though we lost the game. But Wenyon is an undersized five and he's going to meet up, meet certain matchups D that he just doesn't have enough in his back pocket. And the two main characters on offense, particularly in a lot of bench units, is going to be your main ball handler in that group and the screen setter, the the offensive five. And I think how your defensive five matches up with both of those guys really determines a lot of how well you can defend and how well you can't. Both Norm Powell, who kicked our butts last night, and Ivica Zubats, who was playing those minutes to start the second quarter, to start the fourth quarter when Wenyan was playing at that five spot as well. Both of them are bad matchups for Wenyan. Zoo can just put a shoulder into him and create space, and it's an easy little jump hook in the lane. Powell is a physical perimeter player in how he attacks, and he's got a bunch of like low gathers that play right into Wenyan's penchant for reaching a bit, which he's gotten better at over the course of the season. But that's one of those things like Ty Lue, whenever they, they play us, and pretty much how they play in general, he makes a lot of 
opponent specific adjustments the way that you would in a playoff series and we don't and so when you look at just the plus minuses in that game it's like Wenyon's a minus 18 Beasley's a minus 20 Rui a minus 14 Dennis who only played 13 minutes and was bad in them who I think it's funny we talk about being gassed and and tired through the LeBron AD lens yeah like it wasn't just them Dennis Austin he who played well but Rui, I thought he had, had didn't have the legs that he had a couple nights before. But all that said, D, like I, I do think that that's a thing. Wenyan's going to not be big enough for certain matchups uh, defensively, and how we approach those bench units, particularly the LeBron group. LeBron got subbed out. We were down twenty three to thirteen. Immediately go on a run. Troy Brown played a great shift. Not so much the rest of the game, but we go on a run. We go up one for a brief moment, and then the LeBron group ends up giving it back a little bit, Mike. Let me just give a, a morsel in here to set Darius up to talk about the specifics last night. What I was saying about the Laker Clipper matchups the last couple of years, Ty Lue has coached each one of them as if they were game seven, which I respect. Sure. And the Lakers yeah, have generally approached them like like any other game. And and that's been a a big difference. And it's it's certainly you give credit to the Clippers. They've also had had the better personnel in terms of what the fit has been. Again, before the LeBron and AD and the, the unit that won the championship when they beat the Clippers in the bubble and then they beat them in March, the last couple of years, once they – it has not been like that. And I've sat there in person and watched every single one. And the way that the Clippers have come out and the way that Ty Lue has, has set up the game plan has been uh, has been a playoff setting. And the Clippers have played the games like that and the Lakers have not matched that. And it's that, that's just what I've seen. But I think that, that happened again last night. So that, there's my piece. No, I, so the context of Ty Lu, I I think that he he managed his rotation in order to exploit some of those bench matchups. Pete, he he did go to um, to Plumlee earlier, right, in order to have Zubats available at the start of the second quarter, where Zubats was then going to go up against Wenyan in the part of the game that you just explained Mm -hmm. where the Lakers do go to their bench groups with LeBron and Wenyan and, and are basically smaller, right? I think it was LeBron and Rui and Wenyan that, that were the front court. And Mm -hmm. the point about Wenyan not having enough in his back pocket, like that's going to be true of Bamba as well, but Bamba's just got, better physical tools like he's seven foot one and has like a massive wingspan like he's just got more size and the ability to alter shots in ways that Wenyon doesn't and Wenyon's motor I thought was not as it still revs high right but at the end of the road well at the end of the road trip it was sort of like if Wenyon is scissors Zubats is rock. Yes. And 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 he was just knocking him around, right? Yeah. And there's a point in the game where it's just not going that's just not the tactic that is going to work against that that specific group. And credit to the Clippers, man, like they made shots, they took advantage of every single thing that you would expect to that every opportunity for the Lakers to be punished based off of their scheme, based off of how tired or engaged they were physically and mentally, the Clippers punished that every single opportunity that that they could. And so credit to them. It's mm-hmm. it's like and if and, and so I don't want to sound arrogant here, but I don't take a lot away from the result 
of last night's game. Agreed. And I said this yesterday too in 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 our text thread to you guys, but I was just like, maybe I'm just like trying to find the silver linings in a game where the Lakers are going to lose by double digits. But I liked AD's third quarter. He got into a rhythm and he started to hit jumpers and look like himself. And they started to find ways in order to puncture a Clippers defense that was switching a lot and finding the right matchups in, in order to, to take advantage. And the Clippers hit enough shots to keep them at bay. But the Lakers were down by 24 points and then they got it to 12 and then they got it to single digits and it's just like, oh, they're on their way. But you can only climb out of a hole that's so deep, yeah. right? And and so if the hole was 10 feet deep, the Lakers got to eight to the eight foot mark and then basically it was just like, my legs are tired. I'm falling back down to the bottom of the hole again right and they'll live to fight another day and and so that's sort of where i am with this lakers group i'm not super discouraged by last night's loss it it was frustrating within the context of the standings and how important the game was for 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 positioning but from a this taught me something like no i thought d'lo looked like a good player and and Looked like a guy who could play against a defense that's going to try to pressure him. LeBron was great in the sec- second half. AD looked good in 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 his second half shifts as well. Like the formula to me is still there for the Lakers to be an excellent team that is a threat in the playoffs. My mind hasn't been altered by any of that. What about the bench though, D? Like that that group oh, yes. in particular, the one that's starts the second quarter, starts the fourth quarter. This is a LeBron group. Like, so the, at the end of first quarter, end of third quarter, AD comes out around the one or two minute mark. Sure. And those, those are AD groups. Then from that point on through about the seven minute mark or so of those quarters is a LeBron group. And I don't think that we're quite there yet. So I'm just curious your thoughts on those, those units. It's not fine tuned enough yet. And they don't have a bench group. They don't have that, that bench group, that specific bench group isn't the one is not one yet that can match up universally, right? And so I think back to the 19-20 team, Pete, and that bench group, the one that was anchored by LeBron and Dwight, that group Mm. felt like they could play against any unit in the league and find their way. This group does not. I think Wenyon is is great, but he cannot play against the bruisers of the league. And if you ask LeBron to do that too often as like a small ball center, he's, they're still going to have issues there as well too. Right. And and so, and then I'm wondering like, is Dennis enough? Should Beasley be the other guard? Right. Like there's still some fine tuning there that I'm not convinced that they have found it yet. And Mike, they're still searching a little bit and Darwin's going to have to find a solution soon because they're going to need that group to at least be even, if not win some of their shifts. Yeah, I I agree that they haven't completely optimized that unit. And I think the biggest reason is because they just the sheer nature of them not having any time uh, with healthy LeBron and AD and Russell Mm -hmm. and therefore getting to slot with the bench should be. For example, Dennis Schroeder played 42 minutes the night before as a starter in Utah, including in the overtime. And he just, Dennis didn't have like Dennis's whole thing is that he's got more legs than you. He's, he's constantly going. He's a great athlete. He's super Mm -hmm. fluid. And he's had a lot of usage lately. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has not played a lot in the last three weeks. And Dennis has stepped into that spot. And so then to ask him to come in and do a lot of creating against a team that's loaded up 
against him. He just he just didn't have it. And they ended up cutting his minutes significantly down. But I think that in a normal setting, when he's your bench change up type, you know, athlete, pressure defense, all the stuff that he can do uh, when like when he's right, then that's a good piece off the bench. And Rui Hachimura yeah. has been great. He played 25 big minutes in Utah, went for 17 and six. And his legs, I thought, were tired. You could see that on his jump shot, which was short. Wenyan Gabriel, Energizer Bunny you know, type player, but th- just a bad matchup in the way, at least in the context of being on the court with Zubats um, and with Powell. Like then maybe there are some other matchups that he could have snuck in there for some minutes against them. Uh, so it's just to me, that was more of what of what it was. And also that bench unit would have looked a lot better if Anthony Davis played 40 minutes instead of 32. And he was out there for longer, which is what the Clippers did with Kawhi Leonard, who again played the entire sure. second half. So he was with all of their bench units. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit like what Darius said earlier. I'm just basically wanting to remove that Clippers game and and try to think back to the previous four, the four wins on the road and what they did and how the bench survived and or didn't, even though it wasn't optimized because of Russell uh, not playing and then Schroeder having to play in the starting lineup. So I think they have enough players to get a good bench unit. And I think that we could probably plan out what those minutes would be and how to optimize them. And, you know, maybe the only player that's probably going to play a little more than I don't want to speak for the three of us. But, you know, I Beasley, there's there's been some something left to be desired. Uh, but there's also moments of utility uh, with the shooting where I get the coaches wanting to stick with him for at least certain shifts. Pete, you know me. I'm a guy who looks at two and three man lineup data as well, trying to find mm-hmm. likewise foundational aspects of units of any unit starting unit bench groups and down the line is there something specific that you've seen from like fragmented lineups right like that you want to see as a foundation for some of these bench groups particularly the one that starts the second quarter I think that ball pressure is really important, and that's why when Mike brought up Dennis, that really rang true with me in that I – especially that particular group with LeBron also had D'Lo out there. And I agree that D'Lo looked like a a good player in in a general sense. I think we also agree he was out of rhythm to start that game, right? And uh, I think D'Lo will help those groups, but I think – defensively the pair pairing that you have next to him that other guy being a defensive player whether it's Dennis or Austin and the way the shifts will work I think it will be more likely Dennis it's just he's not going to play 13 minutes in most games the way that he did in that one and that D'Lo Dennis pairing and I think if you looked at the two men data on them at least last I checked was really really good on those two in part because I think that they're complementary in that way and that the Beasley is a guy who gets beat by a lot of straight line drives and has difficulty kind of containing the ball as an on-ball defender. And so that is the attribute D that I think is kind of the starting point for our defense. But also, but but really like the Wenyan at the five and or whomever is manning that five spot. Like I think you can do Wenyan at the five, but it would involve either blitzing ball screens or bringing him up higher or switching using his athleticism on the perimeter rather than banging with interior bruisers, uh, bruiser types. I think that's the main part, but the other part of it it's really mostly defense for me d is that ball pressure that i think we lack in like a d low beasley type of backcourt so where do you think bomba fits into this then because i don't think i think the lakers i love winion and i want him to continue to have a spot in the rotation i'm trying to scale up in size me too a lot of times and so i'm trying to find minutes more minutes where winion can play with ad yep and potentially find 
find like a shift or two a game for Bamba. I know playing three centers isn't something that that's like more of a Frank Vogel idea than than a Darvin Ham one. But I'm interested to see what you're like. And I'll kick it back to both of you, like where your thoughts are about reintegrating Bamba into the lineup, if it happens at all, because we're it's not like we're lacking for rotation options. Like right. he's already having trouble scaling down from 11 to 10 to nine mm-hmm. for a playoff rotation. Like, and now we're talking about adding a player back in. It gets tricky. Uh, that's essentially where I was going to go is that this is now a playoff rotation. There are no games left that the Lakers are, are not that do not need to win and therefore extend the minutes for LeBron and AD. And so to me, it's more like certain matchups where it's Bamba or Gabriel um, and you're having to make yeah. a choice. And the rest of that is like, is pretty set because LeBron for AD, first of all, there are no back-to-backs anymore. And provided that the foot continues to be okay. You know, he's, he's getting up there to me at least 37 minutes. Uh, And, you know, depending on the game and and if it's a, if it's a playoff game or a play in game, or even Friday and Sunday's games could be essentially like those games where you need to win um, to we've already gone over the scenario, so I'll, I'll spare you that. But so I just, Pete, before we, I wanted to try to make that crystal clear before getting into the, uh, a further discussion of like how many minutes, cause I don't think it needs to be many. Um, and that's for basically any of the bench players. So it's not like that to me. And that to me should fundamentally change um, how successful those units are with just more LeBron, more AD uh, and you know, it, like Austin's minutes are going to be up as well. Right. Uh, where's where's D'Lo going to end up being there? They're just there. You shouldn't need that much um, other than kind of Rui and Troy coming in and, and Dennis and playing really hard. And then the occasional minutes for um, Gabriel or Bamba. The last quick thing was just we saw what Darvin did when he shortened the rotation in Minnesota. And it yes, was no we did, Troy didn't talk about that and no mm-hmm. Beasley. And it was uh, I'm sorry, not. Yeah, it was it was Beasley and Brown, I think, that got cut out. Basically. That's right. It was just Dennis and Rui um, off the bench, which mm-hmm. I think is telling. And that's so that's kind of like, OK, well, if that's your seven and then w- one of those other guys ends up being more of a matchup specific type of a player. And I know not every game is like that, especially early in a playoff series. And you do have to figure out which guys to plug in. But I, I just wanted to emphasize the <laughs> these are basically all playoff games now. No, you're, you're speaking my language in terms of shortening the rotation. And I think for a, a minute now, it's very much pointed toward Beasley being pulled from that. But as you said, Troy got pulled in Minnesota as well. And it was those two, Dennis Rui, but also Wenyan played that five spot. And I think that your observation, Mike, that we're going to need to determine on an opponent-specific basis if it's a Wenyan game or a Bamba game is probably the most natural uh, adjustment. I also, though, would love to see what Darius was talking about, that you know, when in comes in, when LeBron goes out, say at the six-minute mark of the first and third quarter, you get three, four minutes per half of that when in AD combo. Uh, but it's been Rui as well, who I also think could be in there. I, again, the whole yeah. sizing up. I'm totally good with a Rui, Wenyan, AD front court. You know, let's be big. Uh, but I, I think that, and then Bamba, say, coming in to start the second quarter the way Dwight used to, to be a, a pairing with LeBron. I think that that's certainly a possibility. But I just do think that picking one or the other for a particular game is probably more natural for the way the rotations have gone. But I'm with Mike on this, D. Like, it's time to trim it down to, to eight just in general and boost the minutes for the superstars. These are it's uh, these are all must-win games from here on out. No, they definitely are. The the other thing is too, and it's a thing that we have that we haven't discussed, but 
a real playoff rotation is in between seven and a half and eight and a half players, right? And so if you've got seven guys that you trust, the half a player is the guy who you you trust as a regular season player. Mm-hmm. And then in the postseason, you're like, you get maybe a shift a game. And it's going to depend half, on the you may not play. Yes. And it's going to depend on the opponent, right? Like where a Wenyan might not be very good against a Clippers team that's strong and physical, but against another team, it's like he's going to kick, kick, uh, he's going to be great for 18 minutes a game. So yeah, it's really going to depend that half guy on, on the opponent. Sure. There's also, though, the idea that it's just like, even, even if, <laughs> Even if that player can be good and kick the other team's butt for 18 minutes, he may not even get those 18 minutes because right. we're playing seven and a half players or eight and a half players, right? right? And so an idea that I'll kick back to you, Mike, is in the search for versatility and the search for finding the right rotation, the LeBron at the five and surrounded by athletes that's a lineup that's still an option for me too. Like a LeBron, Rui, Vando front court with Russell and Austin or Russell and Dennis. It's just like, is there enough shooting on the court? Maybe not, but is there enough motor and defense and passing and ball handling on the court? There sure as hell is. And now you're telling whoever your second unit bench big is to go out there and who do you put him on you put him on vanderbilt i guess while vando spaces to the corner and and crashes offensive glass and is spacing you out while lebron and Rui try to hunt post-up options and driving lanes and dennis and ball screens and there's delo now coming off handoffs there's a bunch of different things that the lakers can do schematically that darvin has gone to that game against minnesota he went smaller he put Rui on towns and he said yeah this is what we're doing match up with us now he, he coached that, that like a playoff game yeah yeah, and and so there and this game he didn't. And afterwards, he even talked about it like I wasn't going to extend my guys. Right. Like we we had to play this a certain way and we played it the way that we did. I'm super proud of the way that we battled. Like we battled our butts off and we came up short. And so Mike to kick it to you here, it's like the Lakers have 10 or 11 guys that they can play, but it's time to start to scale down and I have a pretty clear sense of who the eight guys are I want to see get real minutes on any given night and if you're outside of that eight it's be ready when your number gets called yeah exactly so there are 240 minutes in regulation right and so LeBron and AD you're going to take up a certain number of those and then which guys do you not need to take off the floor for certain situations well Austin to me is one of those guys he can hang uh, in most any lineup and he can hang defensively. There's every once in a while where there might be a physical matchup where he like he certainly looks physically worn down and yet still managed to be impactful against the Clippers. But so he's not anybody or somebody that I would worry about. And then you have you have certain guys like Vanderbilt there. Let's say in the Phoenix matchup, you're probably going to need some more of Vanderbilt defensively against either Durant or Booker. And so that's maybe there are more minutes for him in that sense. And there are probably also those minutes for Hajimura. Um, just given what some of what Phoenix has to offer. And that might be a tough game for somebody like Beasley um, in, defensively, just just in terms of like how crafty the Suns are, how, how good they are at getting the ball in certain spots. And so I, I think that it's easy enough for 
for the coaches when coaching it like a playoff game um, to come up with what that that sort of give and take is going to be uh, in the lineup. And I'm looking forward to getting there and no longer now having to there's not going to be a major rest disadvantage that the Lakers are going to have. And in fact, for these last two regular season games, they are going to have a rest advantage uh, where Phoenix is playing on Thursday and Utah is playing on Saturday. And and then the plan, if they have to play it, would be even, right, for both teams. I think both teams uh, potentially being in that would play on Monday. So it it now should get to the point where it's not going to be like things were in the Clipper game. No, absolutely. And I think that in the second half, really in both halves, but the second half in particular, there's a lot of good tape in that game, which isn't true of every game, certainly not the Utah game. But there's a lot of good tape in that matchup against the Clippers that I think that if we use it right, can really be advantageous to us going forward in the big picture. So we'll wrap up here. We will be back tomorrow to preview the last weekend of the season, of the regular season. Uh, But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.